Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make the second half of life even better than the first. As we celebrate National Family Caregivers Month, today's episode of 45 Forward celebrates a special leader in the elder care field, Laura LaFauci, who reflects on her years of varied experiences helping seniors and caregivers find the resources they need to lead a more productive and rewarding life. Laura, who is currently Regional Director of Community Outreach for Amber Court Assisted Living on Long Island, works tirelessly for families, caregivers, health professionals, and senior specialists in diverse fields every day. She talks about her experiences dealing with the rewards and challenges of caregiving, the sometimes difficult and sensitive conversations families face when considering transitions for their loved ones, from home care to adult care communities. She'll explain not only the basics, but some of the perhaps lesser known options of assisted living for assisted living residents with particular needs or eligibility. And as chair of the Long Island chapter of the National Aging Place Council, Laura will describe how this nationwide organization has become a valuable resource for older people who deserve to age in place, the place of their choice, with dignity, safety, and security. So now, folks, it's time to meet Laura LaFauci. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for having me. It's It's a a pleasure pleasure to be here. Yeah, pleasure to have you. Um, so I'd like to start off the show, um, uh, since it's 45 forward, acknowledging that people's lives and careers often are, you know, an interesting journey in themselves, aside from the topics that we cover. So I just wanted to ask you, um, you're passionate about uh, caregiving and working with um, older folks, um, but it's not something that, that people usually start out in their careers. And so <laughs> give, us, give us a little bit of a, a snapshot on how you got interested in elder care and uh, got to where you are today. Yes, thank you. Um, So very young, um, 16 years old, my grandmother, who we lived with, had a stroke that had her bed bound um, for three years, and we Mm -hmm. cared for her at home. And I never thought that I would get into caregiving. And I ended up going into interior design and Mm. uh, furniture sales. And I was an interior designer on Route 110 working for a custom company. And their mom worked with us. I worked for two sons and their mother was there every day and we became very close and friendly. And she started to slip um, in the fourth or fifth year of me working with them and started to see some changes. And I went to one of the sons and said, I see some changes. And he said, well, maybe she needs a doctor. So I took her and um, we just started to go down finding out exactly what was happening with the dementia. We were given wrong information and told it's Alzheimer's blanket statement. Mm -hmm. It's Alzheimer's. Here's your Seroquel. When we said to the doctor, she's not doing well, you know, Seroquel is not something that's working for her. She's very agitated. She's upset. She's pulling her hair out. She's not doing well. They said, well, you just have to get used to this. This is what it is. This is what happens with Alzheimer's. Have a nice day. So continuing on lots of roads, trying to figure out the right cocktail uh, medication wise. And it took us five years to figure out 
that she had vascular dementia, not Alzheimer's, that she could have had interventions that might have helped with blood flow earlier on had we had any idea. So little things like that, that you just don't think about because the doctor said, and the doctors are great, but they don't know everything. So questioning and really thinking about the whole picture became important. Um, So uh, working with her uh, over those years and taking care of her and trying to find someone to help me out in the afternoon because I was still working full time. Mm. I came across Senior Helpers, a, a home care agency that said they had a peace of mind visit. And that's exactly what I needed, somebody to Mm. come and give me some peace of mind in the afternoon. And after a two and a half hour conversation with the owner who said, I can't give you anyone yet. I just opened the doors. I don't have anyone working for me, but I just want to know what a caregiver needs. Uh, I ended up changing careers and Mm. coming to this field. And 13 years after that, I married that woman's other son. Um, <laughs> she became my mother-in-law. Wow. And um, for almost 22 years, I was involved in her care. We lost her in, in um, 2020. So yeah. you know, it was a long journey, but I learned a lot about Alzheimer's and dementia. I became certified in several modalities uh, in Alzheimer's and dementia care and became very passionate about just asking the questions and helping people to find the resources because of the struggles that I went through and her family went through. And then uh, subsequently, my grandfather, who was also diagnosed with Alzheimer's, which also turned out to be a Lewy body dementia, Mm. um, was experiencing delusions and hallucinations. And I was his primary care person as well. Um, So going through that that journey really solidified to me how much help is needed and how many gaps there are in the system. So if there's any way that I can help, I do some support groups and try to fill in where I can. Right. Yeah. So you you sorted out actually sort of uh, in the home care field, is that right? Or then I did, yes, in um, in home care at Senior mm-hmm. Helpers and Companion mm-hmm. Care, actually, in the very start, which is something that the difference between the companion care piece and the licensed home care piece is something that has been really important to me to educate people on over the years, because when someone needs a companion, it's typically somebody who's going to drive them, oversee what they might be doing, maybe make a meal they're not providing the bathing, toileting, and dressing assistance that a home health aide, they should not be providing the right. that hands-on assistance because they're not licensed or certified to do that. So those companions can help with certain things, but there are boundaries mm-hmm. where if someone needs to get into the shower, I can stand there and offer my arm and they can use that as a, as a balancing tool to get into the shower, but I can't give them the shower. Right. So right. the companion can do that piece, but not the actual physical care. Yeah. So this is something that, you know, once you get involved in uh, taking, well, the family members get involved in taking care of, uh, helping to take care of um, uh, a loved one uh, that you learn that, and, and there's no real, 
Well, I, I, my own attempt to this, as you know, I've been, you know, working with you and, and many others to develop a caregiving navigator for folks on Long Island. Uh, but it's, it's difficult to navigate this field. And it's, it's so, it, so when I hear your background, it's also useful um, that you um, cover, you know, some of the spectrum. So it's not like, well, I, so you're with an assisted living facility now, but you cross over, you know, the spectrum from home care to, to um, assisted living um, and different aspects of it into Alzheimer's and dementia care. This is the kind of uh, diverse background I think people really uh, should appreciate because it's not easy to, to figure this out. Um, and and even as you just mentioned in home care, I mean, most people don't know the, the distinction. So uh, what, I guess what, what are some of your first conversations you have with people when they say, well, hey, Laura, my, my mom needs help. Um, so what, what do you need to ask them in, in terms of uh, how do you go through the process of figuring out what kind of help they need? So I'm not really big on question answering, uh, okay. asking. Um, I'm more of a conversationalist. Mm-hmm. So tell me what's happening. Mm. Tell me what led you to thinking that mom might need home care. Tell me what the struggles are. Is she getting lost? Is are you seeing differences with the car? Are you know what's happening? Tell me your story. Because when you just put out that open-ended question and you listen, you get far more information than when you start with your question list and say, okay, name, date of birth, mm-hmm. uh, what diagnosis do they have? Are they wandering? Is some people don't even know that terminology and what it need what it means. And I've listened to people uh, in our field say things like that, like, "Do you need an HHA?" And I can tell you, when I was starting out as a caregiver, a family caregiver, I didn't know what an HHA was. Mm-hmm. I found out years later that that's a home health aid. So when you're talking to people using those acronyms and saying, well, is your loved one on an MLTC? And you get no answer. (laughs) You might want to say a managed long-term care plan. And what that is, is a plan that if your loved one has Medicaid, they've chosen to have not a CDPAP, a consumer-directed program, but a managed long-term care plan where there's an overseer of case management who facilitates between yourselves as a family and the Medicaid program. Yeah. So, yeah, but I think what you started off saying, I think is really valuable um, advice in terms of, you know, a specific question does, does, is, do you need this or do you need this? It's like, tell me what's happening, you know, tell me what your experience is. And from that, listening to that, then you can deduce, okay, this is where I think your loved one is going, what she needs or he needs, you know? So I think that's, yeah, it's just, you know, the experience, uh, the actions, you know, as opposed to theoretical questions about what specific, I mean, you can get into that, then you say, okay, so then you, okay, so then, okay, so they have toilet, they have dressing needs, okay, so... But if you let them start off, but, but just tell me what's going on. I think that that really gets the heart of it. Um, and um, so at, at, at what point, so you, you've been, you say, say you're talking to someone about home care and where they are. And um, what sorts of things do you ask them about when you're thinking, okay, because you need to make decisions about uh, about um, whether home care is still appropriate. Uh, there may be higher levels of assistance at home. Um, 
but there but there may get to a point where you say, well, this really is not perhaps the best place for your loved one to to age in right. place, and there's maybe a better place to age in place. So what are some of the things that you look for in terms of um, when you think uh, a transition might be appropriate to uh, some sort of community care? Absolutely. So as someone is telling me their story, sometimes there's little keywords in there. Mm-hmm. Like mom says she wants to go home all the time. She is home. She's lived here for 20 years, but she keeps saying she wants to go home. That tells me that mom may not know what where home is at this point in time. So if it's not benefiting her to be in that family home that has five bedrooms and needs all of this upkeep, she may not need to be there anymore. So that's one little clue that I might look at. Um, Sometimes it's a financial thing, but most of the time, the biggest reason is the socialization. That that isolation that somebody feels when an aide is coming in or families coming in once a week or three times a week for five and six hours. If you think about how much time the average person or even just yourself spends alone, that alone time for some are, oh, I get five minutes to myself today. But think about someone who's alone for most of the day with a visit for three or four hours at a time. And other than that, they're by themselves. How isolating that is, that they're watching a television or maybe not even understanding what's on television anymore. Or if you've ever eaten a meal by yourself, that you don't really eat as much because you don't have any stimulation during the meal and it's just not worth it. Um, I can tell you when, when I lived alone and I would come home, I didn't make dinner for myself. Mm. Now I could never not make dinner because I have my family there. But if you think about just why bother you become in that why bother mentality and a caregiver who's there who may be helping with bathing, dressing and toileting unless you have a really great one, they're not always looking into what can we do today? Can we talk? Are we having a conversation? Are we playing a game? Do you want to play cards? Can we sort things? They're not always doing that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, Companions are meant to do that. And often it's a glorified babysitting. And sometimes you have really great care. But you need to look at that. You need to look at that as someone who has a loved one at home and say, how is my care? Is it working? Is my loved one thriving? If you're caring for yourself, am I thriving? Am I having growth? Am I learning something? Am I enjoying my days? How many smiles am I seeing? Because if you're not seeing those things and it's just getting through the day, would you put your child in a daycare where they were upset every day? not to liken it to a child, but it's your loved one. It's someone you love. So we have to put our children sometimes into daycares so that we can go out and do our work. And we have to find someone to care for our parents in their older age if they can't. But don't we want them to have the best outcome? And sometimes that just means really looking into how much happiness are we seeing on a day-to-day? And if it's broke, we need to fix it. Right. It's not a specific, you know, box answer, but yeah. we need to look at the happiness. Yeah. Um, good point. You know, I think that it points to, um, 
you know, I think sort of the incompleteness of, you know, questionnaires when people are asked, well, where do you, where do you want to age? And, and the, the numbers are overwhelming. Well, I want to age in place, you know, 80% of people say I want to age in place, but what does that mean? <laughs> um, and right. what happens, what happens <laughs> when you, uh, I think that, that, uh, you know, the, the one thing about COVID one, one of the small benefits uh, was just the realization of, of how isolating uh, it could be to be, you know, alone in your house. And, and um, so, and so when you age in place, you, you need to have a support system. You need to have in many ways, not just people, but as you point out, I mean, what about the meals? Uh, what about the motivation to go on? What about, um, you know, figuring out what to do uh, with your days? I think these are all important things. And I think, um, uh, what you mentioned before uh, struck me in terms of when you're hiring a home aide, these are some questions that you probably should think about asking them about what sorts of things besides the, 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 the care plan for, you know, activities of daily living, you know, that, that they call another acronym ADLs, right? But those are the specific uh, physical needs that your loved one needs. What about their emotional and you know, psychological needs, you know, you know, what would a home care aide, you know, be able to ask you, your loved one, what do you want to do with your days? So, yes, that's a very important piece um, to the puzzle and, and really seeing the aging in place is not to me about that you're in the family home that was for 40 years you were there mm -hmm. or that you're, you know, moving to an apartment, that's not necessarily aging in place, in my opinion, it's really aging in your chosen environment, where you're going to thrive and live your best life at any age. Mm. And that note, okay? uh, sure, I just had a, a little bit of <clears throat> frog in my throat, but folks, we're going to take a short break. I'm going to take a short break. Um, but when we come back, <clears throat> we'll be talking much more with Laura LaFauci of Amber Court Assisted Living. So don't go anywhere. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The boroughs are New York City. The burbs are everywhere else. Real estate is the ultimate game of risk and reward. It's the biggest investment most people ever make. Fortunes are made over a lifetime and lost in a day. And we're not playing with Monopoly money. How do you stay ahead? Who's buying? Who's selling? And why? What do they know? We want the truth. You need an edge. Burrows and Burbs is your secret weapon to giving you the insider knowledge and strategies you need to succeed in the high-stakes world of real estate. 
From Palm Beach to Palm Springs, Manhattan to Malibu, we press the experts to expose the pain, find the deals, and occasionally predict the future. That's Burroughs and Burbs, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific, because everyone can make money in real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Laura LaFauci, who is the Regional Director of Community Outreach for Amber Court Assisted Living. But Laura is, has a diverse background. She also knows a lot about the whole spectrum of home care, beginning of, of uh, caregiving, rather, beginning with home care as well, which is what we were talking about before the break. But now I'm going to translate, trans, uh, transition a little bit to, um, you know, from home care to assisted living. And before the break, we were talking about some of the questions that people should ask about home care and where someone is uh, in home care, what kinds of home care they need. And now I wanted to ask Laura about, okay, so now when you want to make a transition to assisted living, what's what are some of the things that you want to ask about your um, caregivers and care recipients? Uh, again, you were, I think you had a very uh, astute approach before, which is ask about their experiences. What are they seeing? Yes, definitely. And just listening, but um when someone is looking for assisted living, they're not all created the same. There's mm-hmm. a lot of differences. And, and most people uh, have this stigma of it's a nursing home and they don't understand the difference between a nursing home and an assisted living. And they are very different. Um, a nursing home typically is where you would go to convalesce or get well if you're going to a short-term rehab. And you're going to go there to get better and eventually leave and thrive elsewhere, or you're going there long-term to convalesce and rest. And there might be a bingo on a Wednesday, or maybe you'll go down to a mass. Assisted living is not like that. Assisted living is where you go to thrive. Mm -hmm. And there are assisted livings out there that have these really rich programs and gorgeous chandeliers. And it's, somewhere that someone young in their 60s would love to go and live it's like being on a party boat you know mm. on land and right. and you just have the cruise director and there's activities all day and that's amazing and our assisted livings at Amber Court are part of the assisted living programs under Medicaid many of our communities and we're an affordable option, but we still offer all of those great things. There's activities throughout the day. There's three meals. There's two snacks every day. There's um, trips, you know, and, and going out. And while the accommodations are not the luxury accommodations in all cases, as some of our other partners in care in other assisted livings, they're certainly lovely. Um, and it's a, a thought process that people have. Well, it's a Medicaid community. Mm. We're not a Medicaid community. We're a beautiful assisted living community that accepts Medicaid for cost of care. Mm. So it's a bonus, not it's a, you know, I have, I've had people ask me over the years, 
Um, well, are they get less care because they're on Medicaid? Mm. <laughs> no, quite the opposite, actually, because they're part of the Medicaid program. We can do a little bit more care because we are a step down from nursing homes. So where most traditional assisted livings um, with an adult home license, they're not taking someone in a wheelchair who can't self-propel. In our ALP communities, we certainly can. Someone can get an escort to and from meals and to and from activities and not have to be able to self-propel a wheelchair or walk any long distances. We do ask that our residents can bear weight um, to do a transfer and that they can assist in that transfer. But other than that, we can take someone with some pretty high acuity of care need um, where they might be able to go to a nursing home, but they wouldn't have the benefit of that stimulation and the enriched activities programs. And quite honestly, the residents who really being useful mm -hmm. is something we kind of touched on before that isolation piece. Right. I cannot tell you how often I watch our residents helping each other with things that you know, somebody had their pocketbook stuck and they wanted to get it out and somebody runs to help them. They're useful to each other. And to me, that's a huge thing. I think all, all of us in life, I know I want to be a useful human being. I want to feel like I'm accomplishing something. And if I wasn't, I probably would throw in the towel. Mm -hmm. I want to feel that. Most people want to feel that. They want to feel needed and useful. And I feel that's the biggest plus that assisted living gives to older adults. They need each other. Right. The staff is there to help them. That's great. They have an enrichment program with a, a recreation team. But they rely on each other for so much, whether it be giving an ear if someone's having a surgery and just listening to each other. Mm or helping grab the pocketbook that's stuck or uh, little, little things that they do for each other every day. I can't tell you how many times I see residents that are very aware and alert and oriented helping those that are a little more forgetful and it makes them all feel good. So that piece is what's missing in home care. And, and that's what I love about assisted living yeah. is that they form a true community. It's right. not just a building. Yeah. It's a community of love and care. Right. Um, yeah, I think, and I think people don't realize that, uh, again, they think assisted living, but it's it's certainly, as you point out, not one size fits all. There are all sorts of different um, assisted living communities and that, that I think uh, people should ask, you know, there are different levels of service you can ask for, right? I mean, they're, I mean, there may be not innumerable options, but there are options uh, that you can ask for uh, in the process of applying. Yes. And, you know, most of us, um, we are really are truly a village in, in many other types of companies across the world. There's competition and there's um, I've never seen so much cooperation as what we do in in elder care especially on long island hmm. um, if i'm not able to help someone i'm looking for who is 
all the time from the Bristol's, the Atria's and you know, Maple Point. We get people contacting us saying, hey, I just talked to this family. It's not the right fit for us, but we feel it might be right for you. Please talk to them. And, and maybe it's not right for me, but then I'll tell them where they can go. And I think in home care and assisted living, the entire elder care community on the island is just wonderful at that. Uh, which is why with the National Aging in Place Council that you know you're a part of as well, it's become so important to not have those Google searches and mm. that um, going down rabbit holes in areas when there's a village of people who truly do work together to help someone to navigate that web and be able to say, okay, so this is not the road you want to go down. You want to make a right down here and we're not going to get you lost. We're going to make sure that you find your way out of this tunnel, which is very confusing and completely overwhelming and emotional because it's not just that you're trying to accomplish a goal, but you're trying to do it while your emotions are at the most difficult part, right? Because this is someone you love or yourself that you're making these decisions for. So having those people who can truly work together becomes yeah. really important. And we, we do have that. We're very right. fortunate on the way. Um, just before you mentioned, Laura, um, on ALP. Um, so uh, explain that acronym a little bit about, and and how this fits into other kinds of sure. programs. I mean, I guess there's special needs, there are enriched programs. What, what is specifically on an, an ALP? It's the Assisted Living Program under Medicaid. So the state uh, Medicaid has an, an assisted living option where someone can come in and live in assisted living with all the beautiful amenities, three meals, two snacks, all the activities programs for as little as $1,367 per month if they have their Medicaid and that's all that they would pay, which is unbelievable, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. But um, that's the rate that Medicaid gives. It's not a rate we arbitrarily came up with and it changes with the cost of living on a, on a regular basis. So as the social security amounts change, and as the cost of living changes, so does the that amount. But that's the amount for this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a shared space, shared living space. If someone would like a larger style room or something a little bit different, they can certainly do that. But the important thing is that Medicaid will cover the cost of care. Mm-hmm. So care costs can be upward of you know, up to $2,800 per month in some cases. And that's going to be for somebody who needs complete care. That's going to become astronomical in a private pay community. Right. For us, we have to keep that level low and Medicaid covers that cost of care. Right. So are there, there are communities that um, accept um, Medicaid payments, but are not Alps as well? You can, do you, do you need to be an Alp to, So there are assisted living communities that work with the managed long-term care programs and have aides come in to supplement the care. Okay. They're not an ALP, so they still have to pay for their care costs, but they can help with Medicaid to allow them to supplement that care. With the ALP program, the care is completely covered through Medicaid. I see. Okay. And and so the other program that 
that you uh, mentioned and and you have a lot of experience with is um specialized care for those uh, um with dementia so talk a little yes. bit about how um i think there so there there are communities that have um dementia wings or memory care wings right there's some that are yes. are exclusively for uh, those with dementia and so forth so talk, talk a little bit about that so our community, Amber, Amber Court's community in Westbury does have the alcove, which is a secure memory care unit, as well as an enhanced care unit. So we have uh, 32 beds in the enhanced care and 32 beds in the secure memory care unit. Why might someone need a secure memory care unit? Wandering, um, getting lost, not knowing how to find their way back. They may need a unit like that because they have uh, certain sensitivities with stimulation. If there's too many people around, they might not be able to be okay with that. They need a smaller secluded environment. They may need more oversight due to impulsivity or a lack of safety awareness. So they need more care and less people. Um, so that's true for pretty much all of the secure units on Long Island. There mm -hmm. are many. Uh, we need more, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The biggest gap that, that I've been finding um, in that memory care piece right now is for the age. Um, a lot of people are having younger onset Alzheimer's mm -hmm. these days, and we're mm -hmm. seeing it more and more, those who are under 65. Wow. And wow. at this point in time, there's not a place for them. And I'm seeing it more and more every day. It's my biggest frustration, I would say, over the past two years is speaking to families who have loved ones under the age of 65 and they can't really fit in a nursing home mm. and they can't go into assisted living under many of the programs. Mm. And there is no memory care option for them unless they can get it, go into nursing home. Wow. And it's it's a it's a big gap right now. Yeah. Well, is age a barrier in that case or is it? Uh, so yeah. So um, for us in the out programs at Amber Court, 65 and over okay. is, you know, that's our guideline. Some of the out programs will take people a little bit younger, but they don't have any outlet for memory care or mm. for a secure unit. I see. So right now that's a big gap. Uh, yeah, that yeah. I'd love to see. That's something that through National Aging in Place Council, we talk about a lot and um, just with other business professionals and people in the field is something that we've been discussing, just trying to see if there are alternatives to yeah. fill that gap for people of that age group who really need a secure dementia unit and just it's not fitting. Yeah, there's not much out there, right? Or I know that. So you and I are on Long Island, but um, perhaps just. Um, and I'm not asking you to speak for everywhere in the country, but are there uh, are, are there similarities in terms of looking for assisted living in different parts of the country? Or are there differences people should watch out for or be aware of? So the ALP program is a New York program. Okay. So that's not something that they would find. Uh, Medicaid in general is very different in other states. We are very fortunate here as far as in New York state, we do have a very good Medicaid program and the state does assist seniors quite a bit. 
I have not seen that in other states mm-hmm. when I read when I've read their guidelines. And of course, I have not read all of them, um, but I have seen, you know, what Florida does and the Carolinas and um, a few other states that I've looked into. California, they don't have um, as great of a program for seniors as we do here in New York. Right. But in terms of general, um, you know, uh, approaches to assisted living um, in other parts of the country, um, I guess there are similarities in terms of the structure of facilities, the kinds of services people offer. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. There's going to be an enhanced care is going to be able to help someone with a higher need. Um, where they they will have that wheelchair escort. Um, they might be able to use a Hoyer lift. They will have um, a lot of oversight for more skilled care in enhanced rather than in an adult home license where mm-hmm. they really would need to be able to self-propel in a wheelchair. Some won't take wheelchairs at all. So it's really listening to that story and knowing where somebody fits and trying to help them get to the right place for them. People say all the time, what's the best assisted living? What's the best nursing home? There's no such answer for what is the best. It's what's the best for you at this stage of care need. What's the best for you at your stage of financial, you know, uh, ability and really listening to what that is and finding the best choice for the individual. There is no best. We're all, right. <laughs> we all right. do a good job. Everybody tries, but we really need to go through all of the social, financial, um, physical care needs and put it all together and then find the best possible solution for the whole Great. picture. Okay, well, we, we've come to the end of this uh, segment, and, and so we're going to take another short break. Uh, but but don't go away, folks. We'll be talking much more in our last segment with Laura LaFauci of Amber Assisted Living. Uh, so don't go anywhere. Come right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. 
She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Laura LaFauci today, who is the uh, Regional Director of Community Outreach for Amber Court Assisted Living. Uh, we've been talking to Laura a lot about assisted living, but her background is, is covers much more than that. And she covers home care. She's had experience in the whole spectrum of, of elder care and working with people in elder care. Um, a couple of things I wanted to talk about, Laura, in our final segment, which is about the other people she collaborates with, because it is it does take a community, it does take a team of people, you know, um, as um, as many of us, including myself, uh, involved in taking care of an older loved one, you find out it's like, okay, yes, there are physical needs, there's emotional needs, but there's a holistic approach to elder care, and and a lot of um, uh, what you deal with you can't deal with directly, but. How do you work with other professionals and what kinds of professionals do you work with commonly and, and what are some of the services that they can provide? So elder law attorneys are are so important, um, really getting the legal things sooner rather than later. That's the one piece of advice that I would say to all readers. If you don't have your health care proxy, you don't have your power of attorney, go get them today. Don't wait. Um, those, those documents are just so important. And if something should happen where you can't speak for yourself, it can happen to any of us at any time, um, making sure that you're covered and you have made that decision without allowing the state to make it for you at some point. So elder law attorneys are very important. Medicaid planners for if someone has already taken care of their elder law needs and they just really need a, a Medicaid plan, uh, those can be very beneficial resources. Care managers are an excellent resource where they can come in and look at that whole picture and help someone who may be out of state or may be infirm themselves and not able to really take the ball and run with it for all the things that it, it might need to set up care for someone. So um, there's case managers that are private through different home care agencies. They some have case management as well, which is a nice fit to offer both of those. We work with move managers, daily money managers, mm. which a lot of people don't even, what's a daily money manager? Um, and it's not a financial advisor. It's someone who takes care of the day-to-day -day financial life. So that's a really helpful um, resource for people. Drivers and um, like someone such as uh, Heartwheels is a company that comes out and actually takes someone, picks them up, for a wedding helps them with, you know, being there the whole day and, and really not so much just watching, but allowing them to enjoy the day with their family for a wedding or a special event or a doctor's appointment. 
and seeing that they have the best time. Um, there are so many wonderful resources on Long Island and really getting them together to work together and refer each other and think about the next person. When I remember in home care, I would sit down with my pad and my pen and I'd listen to the story. And as I was listening, I'd be writing in the corner. Okay, so we need elder law. We need, uh, you don't have this yet. We need to look at a case manager. Oh, you're going to be moving to an assisted living at some time. Here's your move person. Well, I see a lot of clutter. There's people who do um, downsizing. We want to get rid of the all the things we've accumulated over a lifetime and really put them in some meaningful way in this home. So they may need that. We would look at things such as um, somebody that they can talk to for therapy purposes, mm. uh, bereavement purposes, support groups. There's specialties for uh, arthritis. There's specialties for Alzheimer's. There's Parkinson's groups. There's things like that, that you would want to make sure that somebody can get to um, the cancer society, depending on what's happening in somebody's world, there's always really good resources out there for them. And I may not know everyone. My job is to triage um, as part of what I do. You know, I know we spoke about the national aging in place council briefly, and I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit more, yeah. but Everyone who speaks to a person in the elder care community, their job is not just to think about what's in it for me or what can mm -hmm. they use? Can they use me? They really should be thinking about, and many do, how do we help this person holistically, as you said, to get all of their needs met and who should we be giving them information for? And sometimes we give that information. I always ask people, is it okay with you for me to have someone contact you? Mm -hmm. Because we give information a lot of the time and we tell people, call this one, call that one. And then we don't know that they really did. And if we think about just in our own lives, how many times we grab business cards from somebody or somebody tells us, try this product. And we say, yeah, that sounds great. I'm in, I'm going to do it. How many times do we actually do it? Because I can say for myself, probably like negative 1% yeah. <laughs> that maybe I might, right. you know, actually, and it's not that I don't want to, it's because you move on to the next thing and we're all living moment to moment and trying to just in survival mode, most of us, most of the time. So you don't think about it, but um, I always ask, is it okay to have these people who I think you should meet reach out to you because it just makes it easier um, in the long run and, and lets them still have the choice. They don't have to pick up the phone, but it gives them that reminder and it doesn't just fly in the air and never, never land anywhere. Yeah. Well, you point out that that caregiving is a complicated thing, and it's uh, and everyone's situation is different. But in 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 general, I think that people, when when you're really doing, it, especially caring for family members, it does require a team, and requires, and it, it makes it complicated because sometimes part of the team is your brothers and sisters, <laughs> or spouses, and and then it's outside professionals. So, I'm sure that that uh, one of the things I talk about in my caregiving navigator is that at each stage, whether it's home care or assisted living, you have to have family conversations with your family members and sometimes bring in 
outside professionals because you know i i think that's a that's an important distinction people need to make is the limits of your knowledge and your expertise and, and uh i'm sure that you run into that where the, where these family conversations can be let's say sensitive <laughs> absolutely and you know what's so funny ron in conversations with my own family i've been doing this all of these years and i bring in other professionals because it's not that I don't know it, but it's that they're not going to hear it from me. Mm. My uncles, my aunts, my grandfather looks at me. Uh, it doesn't matter that I'm 50 years old. It, look, it looks at me and sees me at eight. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything. I'm not going to tell them anything. But somebody down the block or somebody, the hairdresser, the hairdresser said that's important because those are important people, right? So if we think about that, we can kind of take our ego out of it and say, it's not that our parents don't want to listen to us. It's that they're still seeing us as their children and somebody else coming in is going to be heard in an entirely different way, even if they're saying the same exact things. So I always believe it's a great idea to bring in those those advocates and let them speak with and for you. Um, right. Yeah. And to I help think open the ears. Yeah, and the the parent um, child, even adult child phenomenon, as you well know, kind of goes back two ways. Right. One is that. Um, yeah, the the parent sees still as the child, and then as the parent gets older, sometimes uh, I think inappropriately, the adult child sees the parent as a role reversal. They become the child, and I think it's it's tough. It's because especially as as you know, as you they get on, and that dementia becomes an issue. It's you know, it it becomes you know, the, the parent is vulnerable, and the, the adult child needs to respect that vulnerability and not treat not infantilize their parent like um because that's that's inappropriate too you know they're still an adult you know it's it's hard but you've got to find those boundaries um um we don't we we have a few minutes left i want to just ask you some so in in the course of your career are there any surprises or things you didn't expect that you or wish you knew that you know now um Oh, so many things. Um, <laughs> okay. So many things. When I think back to when I was caregiving and just silly things, silly mistakes, like I would say to my mother-in-law, or I did say to my mother-in-law, hey, she wasn't my mother-in-law then, sorry, but Ida, why don't you go in and get the sweater? I'm going to wash the dishes and then I'll take you to the doctor. And not realizing that divide and conquer mentality does not work. Mm-hmm. with dementia. Um, it was kind of like a shot in the head when I walked into her bedroom and found her completely undressed and under the covers because I sent her in there. And, uh, you know, it was such a shock to me that she wasn't going to know once she went into the other room what she was in there for. But doing things in a team approach, mm-hmm. um, I found over the years that that is the only way to go. And whether it's a conversation with the family to talk about care, whether it's trying to get your siblings on board uh, with helping with that care, not being blanket statements, I need help, throwing your hands up, being very specific and drilling down and saying, hey, Joe, can you stop on Friday and pick up the medications and bring them over to moms? Because that we can do. 
can you help me means, oh, they want me to do what I'm, but no, I'm not going to do what she's doing. No, I'm just going to see myself out of this because it's too much. Being very specific in everything is something that I've found over the years. Um, it really has been the biggest help, just specific needs. Can I task you with this? Specific conversations. I need you to do that. Um, listening with an open mind. And then when you do speak, don't be open about it. Really narrow down and say exactly what it is that you want and need from people. And that's friends, that's family, that's siblings, and and also professionals. And let us know how to help you because we will try our best. Right. Very good advice. <laughs> and and uh, that specificity, I think, is really important because the general questions, then people just are, are kind of lost and, and floundering. And it just adds to frustration. And um, I think for, for people also to try to recognize that you're in a different place, you're different roles, you know, especially for adult children, um, trying to get past the roles of your childhood <laughs> and get past things that that uh, bothered you about your siblings when you were growing up. It's like, okay, but now we, we have a job to do. And I think as a team, you know, you can be successful. So, uh, well, once again, there's much more we can talk about. We're going to have to leave it there for today. But I just wanted to... Um, uh, mentioned it. Uh, ask uh, uh, Laura if people want to get in touch with you or want to find out more about National Aging Place Council. What, how, how should they do that? So for me, um, you can reach me at 631-383-4341. That's my cell. I'm always happy to help. Mm -hmm. uh, email is L-L-A-F-A-U-C-I at ambercourtal.com. Okay. And for National Aging in Place Council, you can reach the entire board at Long Island NY at ageinplace.org. Right. And people should know that. Uh, so we're on Long Island, but the show uh, is is a, a stream nationally so that there are other parts of the country that have chapters of NAIPC, right? Oh, yes. Yes. It's a national chapter. They have some new books coming out. They do a lot of initiatives and advocacy. They do um, a lot to help with caregiving across, um, I think it's 14 states now mm -hmm. and still growing. We are opening a Bronx chapter. We're looking into a New York City chapter and we have our Long Island chapter. So right. uh, we're the largest chapter in the country at this wow. point. Terrific. Okay. Well, folks, uh, be sure to join me uh, next Monday, 12 noon Pacific time, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. I'll be continuing my conversations about caregiving during National Family Caregivers Month. I'll be talking with two staff members from the Parker Jewish Institute for Healthcare and Rehabilitation, Carmen Quinones and Dawn Hagen, who will talk about their Alzheimer's caregiver support initiatives. Um, so, um, again, uh, if you... Uh, just remember, if you uh, didn't miss my conversation today with Laura, you can listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com or go to my show, my website, roboresources.com, and click on the 45 Forward tab. So until then, folks, keep moving forward. 45 Forward. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.